and welcome to Spy Hard's podcast, where your hosts go deep undercover into the world of spy movies to decipher which films make the knock list. But remember, this information, it's strictly for your ears only. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And to preface before we get on with the rest of this podcast, I'm currently suffering from a chest infection and I have the flu. So I now have a very bassy tone. So if you like hearing this, uh, maybe I'll stick it, keep it for more weeks. But if you hate it, let us know. But uh, I can only apologize in advance for my uh, sultry, sexy voice. Well, uh, we lost Vin Diesel and now we're making up for it with your voice. You are adopting ah. the Vin Diesel deep voice now. Something something family. That's right. Perfect. Well, speaking of family, we are joined by part of the podcasting family, our podcasting family, one of our favorites on Twitter. You know, you, you'll always see us retweeting them. It's the Film Rage podcast. We have Jim and Bryce coming along to, uh, well, we've mentioned the film maybe a little bit, but yeah, they are from the Film Rage podcast. That might give you a little bit of a hint as to how we feel about this film. But gentlemen, welcome aboard. Thank you. Hey, hey. So I think before we crack on with the film we're going to talk about, let's talk about you. So, I mean, the Film Rage podcast, it's kind of in the title, but tell us a little bit about what it is. Go for it, Jim. Okay. Well, we started about, I want to say four years ago, we connected Bryce and I, although we've kind of known each other in passing for probably 10. Uh, we're festival, I call us the festival kids. I ignored him been, for six years. <laughs> yeah, for six years, me and I'd see him passing and we'd give each other a dirty look. And Whatever, then, you always trying to be my buddy and I just kept on walking. It's true. I'm, I'm kind of everybody's buddy. I, and if I if I make it a goal that you're going to be my buddy, you're going to fucking be my buddy. That's just yeah. It happen. only took you six years. Yeah, I wore him down. So yeah. Anyway, we um we started out just deciding we don't have enough podcasts about new release film, and that's really what Bryce and I and our little cohort Merman uh, we were all about new film and seeing films in cinema. So it started out with our passion for actually seeing movies in cinemas with our asses and seats. And most of that what came from the amount of festivals that we partake in. Mm. And so that was our love of film and new and telling you guys how terrible it can be. And then it's, it's kind of morphed. Uh, if, if you get a chance to listen to our podcast, we have quite a few segments. So we, if we don't have enough things in cinema, we actually go and see what streaming's available. We also talk about favorite actors and directors in a different segment called The Lists. We have a section where we rage about what's made us rage for the week. And um, yeah, and then we have people dare us to see terrible movies, which kind of you guys did. So this <laughs> is a double rage week for us. What are you talking about? This is a hit. This is a bona fide hit. Oh, it hit. All right. <laughs> hit me hard. Well, I have a question for you guys. I would love to know. Scott and I connected um, initially over Star Trek and then obviously, you know, James Bond films and, you know, action spy films. What were, as two guys who were going to the movies all the time, like what were the initial sort of interests that you guys had in common? What kind of movies did you enjoy talking about? Um, you know, I would probably say, well... I don't know if you've attended any festivals, but festival films are not like regular go to the cinema type films. Mm -hmm. They're usually films that nobody sees again after they make it through the festival, unless by accident it shows up. Right. So 
So I would say our passion, Bryson, mine particular, is international dramas. Would probably sum it up. And as well, probably horror. Okay. There are two biggest genres that we connected on. Bryson. International dramas and horror. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Would you not say that's right? That's probably, that's a pretty good. I would say that's right. Yeah. Like, it's kind of funny when we, the, the reason we sort of started this was literally we were outside of a cinema one time, one of our local cinemas here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And we were discussing the movie and we were just completely on opposite ends of it. And we were just going at it. And the next thing you knew, we had about 10 people like around us, just listening to us to like chat. And from that, he's like, you know, we really should do a podcast. This should be our podcast. And I was like, ah, <laughs> took about, I don't know how long after that, of him that, just I... wearing me down. But finally I said, fine, let's do it. He still hated me then. Or I, I can't guarantee he doesn't hate me now. So I guess. Yeah, yeah I still don't like you. you. You just, you gave it the old uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I was going to introduce you in sort of the, the Howard Finkel WWF Brett the Hitman Hart style from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yes. But my voice has gone too low for it now. It doesn't really work anymore. Um, yeah. It's working for me. You can't see my hands, can you? Ah, <laughs> raging on something. But yeah, you, you talk about going to the cinema. Obviously, we're still in a pandemic. I don't think it hasn't gone anywhere, folks. Yeah. And I know I know, because I have friends in Calgary. Cam and I have friends in Calgary that your cinemas have mostly remained open as far as I'm aware during the, almost the entire lockdown? Um, we had I wouldn't to... say the entire lockdown, but... Uh... Almost. It was a, you, had a, you had a brief period. Yeah, four to five months we did. And uh, if you yeah, listen there was to about a five months. If you listen yeah. to our podcast back then, there was a lot of streaming and a lot of greatest hits episodes. <laughs> Yeah. What's your favorite movie that has a cat in it? And, you know, it's like we were just desperate at mm -hmm. the time. Your top 10 movies with a bus. It's <laughs> like, you know. Remember, we actually we actually were going to put the one on with puppets, but we it never made it on because then the cinemas opened. Yeah. <laughs> so cinemas opened and everybody was deprived of our episode on the best puppet movies. Best puppet so movies. So many. There's loads. Team America. Yeah. Yeah. I know. There's so many good ones. I, I still have the original listing of it, so we could always bring it I've back. I've lost mine. I'll have to do the research again yeah. if we uh, have to lock down again. It's not terrible. Which we probably will. Well, my question about Calgary, but about cinemas, really, is I've noticed a, a shift in how they're being used now since coming back from a pandemic out of lockdown, I suppose, in air, air brackets. Have you noticed a change in the audiences now you've gone back? after the pandemic? I would say, <clears throat> obviously there's not as many people. Mm -hmm. uh, when we, we were literally the first people into the cinemas, like literally Bryce and I were the very first two people. And we were in movies that there was just two of us that were actually at the movies. Um, kind of nice. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and, but then, you know, when we went and saw the new Spider-Man movie, it was like both of us thought we got COVID that day because it was like completely sold mm -hmm. out. Like complete, like we were sitting down like basically right at the very front of the screen and there was maybe some sparse seating down there. There was some spacing there, but yeah. if, I, if I was up in that upper level where they were shoulder to shoulder, I probably would have got up and left. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Yeah, as, no as, I as would I, like I, uh, we'd, we've now made a decision within the podcast that we will not, put ourselves in that state again to be 
it, we and we so we kind of know the, the foreseeable future yeah the foreseeable future we kind of know the cinemas that don't have the viewership we have one that's right downtown calgary and you know we're going to be going to see um a movie i won't say what it is because it might spoil what the timing is for your release for yours but we're going to go see a movie and we can guarantee there'll be maybe max 20 per people in the cinema so we'll find space it won't be a problem I can really relate to that because that was the exact same experience I had with Spider-Man as well because our theaters were 50% and then they opened them up to full capacity right around the time of Spider-Man. So I like bounced right back for that and I was packed right into a crowd and I remember thinking like, well, if I'm getting COVID, I guess I'm going to have fun while I'm doing it because I'm enjoying this movie. But I mean, we were right back to 50% very shortly after and since then... A number of movies, I think three in a row, I've been the only person in the room, or at least there was maybe one other yeah. person for a section of the movie. I had a lot of walkouts in like a theater of two people. It was very strange. I think that was just your influence, Cam. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah. Is that Cam? Let's get out of here. You're like, I don't like the looks of that guy. <laughs> well, what's he raging on back there on uh, under his seat there? What's, 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 that, what's that mashing noise? <laughs> under um, my seat? <laughs> well... <laughs> It's all over the scene. Well, what yeah. are you it's, talking about? It's going somewhere. That's impressive. Um, I, I suppose the last question about cinemas. I, I, I think we've said before, but Cam and I, 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 my first film back when the cinemas reopened was uh, Tenet. All the way back then, because uh, yep. I don't know how the uh, North American release went with that. I think Cam's was a bit more shameful. What was your first film back? Well, I didn't go to Tenet. I could have. I just was, like, not going to theaters at that point. And my first back was F9. And, uh, you know, you know. That is shameful. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know. <laughs> can can you um, do better than that, I suppose, is the question. Uh, okay, so if you remember, Bryce, this is funny because cinema's closed for a very short period of time. And if I yeah. seem to remember correctly, the movie we went back to was Sonic. Oh. No. Yeah, remember? Because they closed because it was like, it was a very short period of time they closed them. And then we got back and I think it was Sonic. And then, then when they closed again. Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, oh, and then it, a Jim Carrey classic. I'm feeling a lot better about F9 right now. <laughs> yeah, you should. I tell you. Vin Diesel. Oh. Yeah, well, the, yeah, that's a whole other story. But then I think, yeah. to your point, I think maybe we closed down again and maybe... Tenet was the first one that we went back to after they closed again, I think. Well, I think before last thing before we get to the film, we haven't spoken about it, but you guys know we do spy movies here. Just a quick fire, Jim, Bryce, whoever wants to go first, what's your favorite spy film? And why is it Triple X2? <laughs> why isn't it? Well. God, that's a tough one. Because I'm not a big fan of spy movies, to be quite honest. I used to love James Bond, but I don't love him anymore. Oh, okay. Well, he was very disappointed in the latest. Cam, can you uh, yeah. can you just mute Jim, please? Thank you. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll move on. No, well, I grew up on Bond. Bond, like I, if I haven't gone back recently and listened, but I I remember loving Roger Moore, just loving him as a kid. Right, growing up, seeing his movies in the cinemas. I remember Live and Let Die for the longest time was my favorite. I freaking loved that movie. But you go back and watch them now and you're just like, oh, what's happening here? Why did, <laughs> why did I love? And I've seen that movie probably 20 times. And, but obviously not as an adult. I don't know. 
I, I would I would say uh, um, is Tenant count as a spy movie? Yeah, we we covered then it. Then that's my yeah. favorite. That's my favorite. I'd go. I'd actually go Tenet as well, and uh, if not that, then Austin Powers: International Man of Mystery. Oh, okay. Nice, very nice runner-up. Some wild swings in tone there. <laughs> That's definitely up and down. Yeah. Well, okay, Cam. I think we've spoiled it already. But what are we talking about this week? Yes, we are talking about 2005's Triple X: State of the Union, also known as Triple X: The Next Level, depending on which country you watch it in. Um, I saw it originally as State of the Union, but when I went to watch it today, it was called The Next Level, so I don't know. Who knows what the title is? Needless to say, it is the uh, Ice Cube starring vehicle. Yes. Because the, the, the version I rented was State of the Union, so that's actually stranger that you, both versions are available now. That's weird. I, you see, when I saw The Next Level on mine, I assumed, okay, maybe for like Commonwealth countries, they're going with Next Level because it has less of a U.S. vibe than State of the Union. But mm. now it, I'm surprised that the version you watched was State of the Union. I'm surprised I watched it at all. Mm. I thought it was just called Number Two. Well, no. it, it's Triple X Squared as well. It's like the little it's number two. Oh, no, no. It's Number Yeah, we get what you're saying. <laughs> oh. He's making a poopy Apparently joke. Apparently not everybody. It's, it's highbrow humor from Jim as usual. It took our sickie a little longer to get that one. Maybe I'm reading too far into this, but did you guys pick this with any correlation with the fact that it was written by Simon Kinberg, who has recently released and directed a movie called The 355? No. Total coincidence. Total coincidence. Okay, because as soon as I, when I rewatch, when I'm watching this, all of a sudden Simon Kinberg comes up, written by Simon. I'm like, what? I just watched the movie, but <laughs> I, I wish I'd been that uh, smart about it, but that is an absolute coinky dink, and I love it because uh, not only was Three Five Five written by this dude, who uh, clearly has no chops, yep. but it was also directed by Dark Phoenix guy himself. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, we uh, well, we just talked about the Three Five Five, so. Um, I haven't been yet. I, I'm. I've heard so many bad things. I'd almost rather not go. Here's a clue. Don't see it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just don't. We'll have to cover it at some point, so I'm sure we will. But okay, I, I think uh, what we'll do is I'll read out the letterbox.com synopsis, then we'll tackle if we ever did see it in the past. So here we go. Triple X squared. State of the Union. Prepare for the next level. Darius Stone's criminal record and extreme sports obsession make him the perfect candidate to be the newest Triple X agent. He must save the US government from a deadly conspiracy led by Five Star General and Secretary of Defense George Deckert. Well, I have a question about that. Okay. He didn't like extreme sports. That was the whole point. No! <laughs> he didn't! I mean, I think what happens here is the person who's writing the letterbox synopsis has a you better comprehension of what the Triple X franchise should be than the people that wrote Triple X, you know, State of the Union. Yes. Yes. Yes, that seems to be the case. Well, I never saw this film in theaters. I protested it because I wanted Vin Diesel back for the sequel because I really liked the first one. So this was my first time watching it. Uh, let's go along the screen as to who I can see. So let's go for Bryce first. Did you ever catch this in theaters or is this your first time watching it? I thought I had, and then I watched this again, and apparently I'd never seen it before this time. So 
because I would have remembered this. <laughs> okay, Jim? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, I did see this in cinemas. <gasps> oh. And what did you think then? On a dare? I, I, you know what? Because it was how long ago? Forever ago. And my mind just keeps going back to the fact that I was like, I know there's a train scene in here that was so completely stupid. When is it coming? And I was getting so excited about how stupid the train scene was. I was like, it was like, I can't wait for this train scene. And then it was just not there and it didn't happen. And then, of course, the climax of the movie with the train scene, it eventually happened. Uh, so, yeah, yes. that's, that's, I just remember that. Was it, was it worth the wait for you after? After these many years? Uh, no. Huh. No, it wasn't. Cam, had you seen it before? Yeah, I didn't see it in theaters. I guess I just had zero interest because it wasn't Vin Diesel. And so, and I remember the reviews were just vicious. So it was like, okay, it was very easy to dismiss. But I remember at the time I was doing a lot of night shifts at work and there was a blockbuster right next to my work. So I would go and catch up on all the movies I couldn't be bothered seeing in theaters. So I just watched so much probably garbage of that era that I would just be picking up at Blockbuster at like 11 o'clock at night. And this was one of those movies. And I remember watching it probably at midnight or one in the morning or something and not liking it. And my memories of the experience are very different than the revisit where my memories were. It was a like wall to wall, just incoherent, like CG fest of just the worst CG humanly possible. And like, that's the memory versus like, when we talk about what we, you know, what we thought this time, that wasn't the experience I had. But I think the first time through, I just thought it was a terrible action movie. And then my guess is when we got to that train stuff, I really filtered the entire memory of the film through that finale. That's my guess. Yeah, I can see how that might leave an impression. I, I think Jim confirms that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. And that's why I know I never saw it before, because I would have remembered that. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Car train. Yeah. Well, the whole tires and stuff. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> Cam, I, I know we had the chat with Rich Wilkes, which, you know, the writer of Triple X One, which kind of filled the gaps in a little bit. But how did we get from Triple X to Triple X squared State of the Union? Yeah. So, um, you know, in the wake of the success of Triple X, um, director Rob Cohen was at that point still looking to do a sequel with Revolution Studios, and they were developing two Xander Cage scripts at the same time. When we talked to Rich, he talked about this and he had no idea what was going on initially. And so the way it was working was the Rich Wilkes script was going on. And from what I've seen online, that one was set in Southeast Asia. And then there was another one written by Simon Kinberg, who Simon Bora, Kinberg Bora. is someone... <laughs> Simon Kidberg is a guy whose name is all over the place now in Hollywood. At the time, he was somewhat of an unknown. He'd done a TV movie called The Legacy, and he'd done uncredited rewrite work on Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, Catwoman, Elektra, and Fantastic Four. Oh, God. Cream of the crop. Oh, my God. Is that not like a bunch of red flags for Hollywood right there? Well, I mean, if you're doing uncredited rewrites, that would imply that he was brought in to solve problems. I'm not going to hold it against him if he couldn't solve those problems. <laughs> sure, sure. Or he made the films worse, and that's why they ended up the way they are now. Possibly, who knows. But he also wrote uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, that was made the exact same year as this film. 
So my guess is he'd probably written the script for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It'd been in development, and that probably got him brought over to this movie. I couldn't find an exact timeline, but that seems very likely. And, um, you know, he would go on to do a lot of stuff. He attached himself to the X-Men franchise, starting with The Last Stand, and wrote several X-Men movies and directed Dark Phoenix. He also um, wrote This Means War, another spy film we'll be tackling. You look him up on IMDb, he's all over the place. And he also, as we've said, wrote and directed The 355, which at the time of recording is in theaters now, probably for about one week. <laughs> so he did This Means War as well, my like passion film that we will get to at some point. He wrote it, was one of, at least one of the writers. I didn't look up if he got sole credit, but yeah, he was one of the writers on that. I just remember having the hots for all three of the, the lead cast and just being like, this is, this is my dream flick. And then it was just an awful, awful experience. Well, Simon Kinberg knew what the audiences wanted. Or me, at least. How is he still working? What is happening? <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about that myself. And part of it is just success. If you write a few X-Men movies and they make like, you know, $800 million, you're going to keep working. But I remember there was a story and it was Jennifer Lawrence talking about why she came back to do Dark Phoenix. And she referred to um, Simon Kinberg and said, I just wanted to do it to help out my friend. Which leads me to believe that, like, Simon Kinberg may just be, like, a really nice guy. And I've met nice guy. I've met some writers who are terrible. And Scott and I, I'm not going to name him by name, but Scott and I have seen one in Las Vegas um, at the cons talking about an upcoming Star Trek show he worked on. And, like, the guy had the whole room under a spell. He was a great storyteller, really funny. People were going up to him in hallways, and he was just so genial. And if you look up his filmography, it's a screaming nightmare. So I just wonder, Simon Kidberg, great in a room, probably good pitches, good with talent. That may just be the, the answer. That's, that's probably the sensible answer. Not the funny one, but the sensible answer. Money talks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Fast and the Furious franchise is still making money, so. Yeah. I, hey, I saw it in the theaters. I'm, I'm part of the problem, and I'm not the solution. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we did too. Yeah. We did too. Now, but they're now in space, so that's the important thing. Where do you go after space, though? What's the next step? Do you time time well, travel? I think hell. Is it hell? At least in the slash. Yeah, hell or time travel. Either or work. Yeah, time travel or hell. Or a multiverse connecting all of the Vin Diesel films. Mm. Right. Oh. Ah, I like this one. This yeah. is good. Is that how you get The Rock back, but you recast him as someone else? What X means Sander Cage meets... Babylon AD. <laughs> Goes yeah. to that pitch black. Yeah. Is <laughs> Plus, he was like that lawyer in that one movie where he tried to be like a serious actor. That would be cool. Bring him in there. Yeah, too. find me guilty. Find me guilty. That's it. He's he's actually on our doubted list of actors who are, we consider, if he's in a movie, it's going to be bad. I've yet to have that proven wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So um, the reason the script for State of the Union went ahead over the Rich Wilkes one, from what I could find, was the producers were really into the idea of tackling a political thriller in line with the Parallax View, All the President's Men, and Three Days of the Condor. Totally the films I was thinking of when I was watching this. <laughs> yeah. That's I was I like, thought. this is just a ripoff of those films. I saw the bullet train. I was like, that's the sequence where the guy gets shot in Parallax View, right? That's exactly what they're riffing on right there. And then he spins off on that go-kart. Yeah. It's the same thing. Bullet train, go-kart, perfect. Perfect. Oh, so man. that was sort of the thinking. And apparently, like, Vin Diesel dropped out pretty early in development. And no the reasons are he's changed them over the years. 
He said at the time he didn't want to do back-to-back sequels because he was just coming off of Chronicles of Riddick, and he didn't want to come back and do a sequel to Triple X as well. He later on has said he didn't like the scripts, either of them. So, like, what the truth actually is, only Vin Diesel knows. But he was out, and he chose to do The Pacifier instead, which... I don't know. Step up. I, I I really don't know how to answer that. I don't think it was. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, cut that. Cut that, cut that. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at a certain point as well, Rob Cohen decided to leave. The development was just going too slow with the Triple X sequel, and so he jumped over to the movie Stealth, which was one of the biggest box office disasters mm-hmm. of its year. Yes. Jamie I don't remember that one. I also saw that in cinemas. It was the out-of-control AI stealth fighter, and it was a Josh Lucas, Jessica Biel, and Jamie Foxx vehicle. It was incredibly expensive yeah. and made no money. Who's Josh Lucas? Um, <laughs> Exactly. Star of Sweet Home Alabama? He's terrible. I know the song. Okay. Well, <laughs> well just remember that. It's not as good as that song. No. He's in the new uh, Purge movie, so I guess that's his most recent major credit. Oh, well, I love yeah. the Purge films, clearly. Mm-hmm. So when Rob Cohen uh, decided to leave the director's chair, he stayed on as exec producer, but they brought in Lee Tamahari, who was coming right off of Die Another Day, which like maybe seems crazy because of the legacy of Die Another Day, but at the time it was the highest grossing Brosnan film, so like it made a lot of sense to bring over someone with you know, spy credentials to make... A very expensive blockbuster spy film. They wanted to shake up the system. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so when it came to recasting the lead, they turned to Ice Cube because he was coming off movies, the Friday films, obviously, Barbershop, as well as things like Ghosts of Mars and Torque. So he did have one foot in the action realm. And Torque is a real guilty pleasure movie for me. It's a ton of fun and it's like 80 minutes long. Which is, uh, I think, a you know, notch in its favor. But um, the producer, Neil H. Uh, Moritz, said, There aren't many manly men in Hollywood, and Cube seem to be the perfect fit. So there you have it. I, I, I need to remember that line, because I've got a lot of problems with uh, Mr. Cube. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's with him in particular, or this movie in general? No, him as a person. I, I just can't. Oh, no, no, okay. him in this film. Although I don't like where his oh. career's gone now either, particularly. There was there was some potential there early on. Holy smokes, he he looked like it was going the right way, but man, does he he ever make bad decisions? He does. Yeah. Um. He says though, when he signed up for this, he tried to do as many of the stunts as he could. He was really into the idea of <laughs> training for this one. And there were stunts won- in this film. <laughs> I I guess he did some running. I don't know. Like he must have done something, right? There was the escape from prison. He was jumping like a cat. Yeah. There, I've never seen so many stunt doubles in my life. Every time they go, they pan back. It was not Ice Cube. Well, I'm sure when he was doing the green screen for the tank sequence, he was getting jostled around a lot. And something. I tell you, tell you what, he, he sure he sure filled out that wetsuit. I'll I'll give him that. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah, he did. And something else to acknowledge as well. At the time of the release of this movie, they did a director's cut of the original Triple X on DVD, and included with this DVD was a short film called The Final Chapter: The Death of Xander Cage, 
which was starring Vin Diesel's stunt double, Christian Lupo, playing Triple X, and in this, like, very clumsy deleted scene slash short film, the Triple X character goes into a building and and is blown up. It's crazy, and it was a little bit of a F.U. to Vin Diesel, because apparently, like, Rob Cohen was also mad at Vin Diesel for bailing on him. He said it caused a rift between the two. And so, like, this whole little short film is this little revenge project. So was that done by Rob Cohen? I can totally respect that. <laughs> I, no, no. Rob Cohen, I don't think, made it. Um, if you look, there's actually no director credit on this thing whatsoever. Sure. So I don't know who made it, but he would have been an exec producer and had a certain amount of uh, yeah signing off on this thing. And it's just made up of a stunt double. There's a one line of Vin Diesel dialogue used from a previous film. And it brings over um, the actress Layla Arcieri playing the character Jordan King who pops up in like a blink and you'll miss it spot in the first film. And she has a line where she says like, I'm going to F you until your eyeballs implode. Nice. And that's why like that line I go, this was not a deleted scene because the producers would know you can't have that line in a scene in a PG-13 rated movie. Like you can't use the F word in a sexual context. So it's like... I don't know what this was. This just feels like a kind of a, you know, slap to Vin Diesel. I never saw it. I don't want to see it. I mean, I, I only saw it the other day when Cam texted to me. And it felt, I, I said it to him, it felt tasteless, really. Like, and yeah. it, it was yeah. definitely an FU to, to Vin Diesel. I mean, the last shot after he blows up is like the back of his head with the X tattoo. The skin comes flying out the building and flops on the floor. Just to really hammer home that he's dead. Like, hey, okay, I do fans that, of Vin Diesel, yeah. get uh, get effed. Not only that, but the villain, the villain who's like the henchman in this movie, picks up the skin and says he never had too much between his ears. So it's also a slap at Vin Diesel for being dumb. <laughs> nice. Can you send us that link? Yeah. I, I originally didn't want to see it, but now I do want to see it. Oh, we'll, we'll send it. We'll, we'll, we'll post it this week when the episode's out. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, nice. we'll, we'll make it famous. All right. Yeah. So this movie had a budget of $113 million. And oh. domestically, it made 26.9. International, 44.1. For a worldwide total of $77 million. Yeah. That, I'm, Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. How did they make a third one then? So if this one tanked so badly, why would they let it go to a third one? Well, it was quite a few years. It was almost a decade before like Vin Diesel came back. But did people forget how much money someone lost? It's like, oh yeah, you know, what happened to the last one? I don't remember. Maybe we should make a new one. Because the last one, I don't remember. Yeah, but they're going they're going back to Vin Diesel, Jim. It's it, yeah, there's the whole, like, you can blame the failure of this one on Lee Tamahari and Ice Cube. A lot of things, but, yeah. Really. It hasn't yeah. got the director and it hasn't got the main actor. So you could you could always write it off. And I, I said in the first one when I, we reviewed it, there's franchise material here. This this could have been the American James Bond of the noughties if they played their cards right. Those cards being good writing, better acting, a better script. Better direction. Yeah. But the first one was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad film. Did it have Vin Diesel in it? The first one, yeah. And it's, your story said is what? <laughs> it has its moments. At least stunts are actually practical. Yeah. And it, it, it plays the Vin Diesel strength where he doesn't say much. 
<laughs> okay, I might have to go back and watch that one now. I got to go watch just to find out what Vin Diesel's strengths are. So, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to look those up too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this one, as I said, $77 million, But for comparison's sake, the previous X made $277.4 million. So that's a $200 million drop-off. So very clearly... Vin Diesel, maybe a polarizing figure, but he did bring in an audience. Well, you said it was better, so maybe it wasn't just him. Maybe it was actually an okay movie. Yeah, it's a pretty fun movie. Well, it had the director of The Fast and Furious as the follow-up with Vin Diesel together. They did that afterwards. So it was a kind of a they were they had a like a team going from that film. To, they had some momentum. Yeah, so I and, and that's I think that's one of the losses of this film. But go on, Cam. Yeah, so this one landed also at number seventy-seven for the year. Seventy-seven, common theme, but yeah, it was number seventy-seven. Uh, for the year in 2005, between The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl in 3D and wow. House of Wax. So two oh. really stellar outings there. Uh, the top three for that year, number one was Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Number two, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Number three, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And uh, notably, Simon Kinberg, as I said, also had Mr. and Mrs. Smith this year. That landed at number seven. Wow. And number 36 was Spielberg's Munich. And at number 187 was the Pierce Brosnan spy film, The Matador. So that sort of wraps up the journey of Triple X, the next level slash State of the Union. So, yes, back to you, Scott. Well, I guess now it's time to talk about this film. I think we've danced around it a little too much. So I, you're our guest, guys. You've revisited or visited it for the first time for this podcast. Let's go with Bryce first. What do you think of Triple X 2? It was fantastic. No, it, it was it was a what's that? It was an action movie that just got too stupid for words. Um, I mean, it's got nothing but quotable stuff in it, though. I mean, you know, like Ice Cube saying just ridiculous things throughout the whole thing. They let me out early for bad behavior. I mean, <laughs> this is the type of writing we had here. Um, you know, I need something nasty. And then, you know, the Lola Jackson, his love interest in it, I can do nasty, to which, you know, Ice Cube responds, I know you can. I mean, it was just, the writing was ridiculous. When he said that, I thought he would turn around and be like, can you get me some fries and shakes? Uh, yes. A lot of times he orders that in the film. Uh. Yeah, burger. But every, everybody talks about the train scene in this movie, though. But honestly, the best scene of the film where I think, you know, physics be damned, was where he when he launches that boat by driving up that ramp i mean it takes off and it's clearly not going to make it onto the bridge i mean there's no <laughs> way the trajectory is off by a good 20 feet and then all of a sudden they make a quick cut and now it's 30 feet above the bridge yeah. it lands on the bridge and at this point the best thing in the movie happens we get him walking across the bridge in slow motion as in the background a car just randomly blows up why it blows up there is absolutely no explanation a car just blows up and, and the explosion does not even phase triple x he stares off into the distance doing his best blue steel in slow motion and just for that 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 scene this was worth revisiting that scene was spectacular i like that you said there was no explanation Mm. Yes. yes well played Bryce 
well played. I tell you. But yeah, I mean, just silly, silly, silly from the first, you know, all the way to the, you know, grab the hard drive. Gibbons said it was on the hard drive. It wasn't. So then he peels the little thing off the hard drive. It's just everything in this was just so silly. Um, well, yeah, I, I find it hard to argue with any of that. But, you know, Jim, can you, can you rebut that at all? Well, <clears throat> I had problems the first five minutes in. Because I was like, okay, so we're in an underground lair with an organization that's doing underground lair type stuff. And then like they get invaded by somebody that I have no clue is. And then the somebody from the government comes to go in again after them. And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, sorry, what is this organization? I was kind of lost the right from, from the very beginning. I'm like, what is this? And then, but the, the, the whole organization is like two dudes and college boy. That's the entire organization that they're running. I'm like, I'm confused because I didn't remember the. Oh, first and all the people that died when. They... Yeah, I'm just like, okay, what? Well, I don't get it. Then they're running around, you know, trying, trying to escape from. I didn't know what they. I didn't know what the goal of the movie was. What was happening? I, I was lost from from day one. But but what I can tell you, is that we got ice running we got ice swimming we got ice shooting we got ice punching ice flirting but we never got ice skating ice hockey ah. or ice dancing mm. and i was very disappointed by these points very disappointed yes. and i would say like maybe they were going to save that gold for the you know the sequel but it seems like when they end this one they're like he's done we got to find another triple x so i don't know what was going on but what wouldn't you i was kind of looking forward to ice skating yeah. right like it was kind of would have fit it should have fit somewhere in there yeah hey we got we got a tank chase on an aircraft carrier so once again i still am lost okay can someone, complain about here. can someone explain to me what the mission was other than they had to save something. But who are these people? And um, you pretend you didn't. There was no mission, the... Jim. It was just devices to get <laughs> from was... action scene to action Well, that's scene. what I was, was confused about. I'm like, okay, so there, it's, it's a spy movie, but who are the spies? Well, I, I, think, um, I think Bryce mentioned probably the most spy-ish moment, which was on the hard drive. Yes. Yeah, you know that was that. That's a spyish thing. But I mean, the Triple X, the original, didn't have much in terms of spy work. He went undercover for a bit, and that was after that. He was basically just James Bond. And I think Darius Stone does the sort of James Bond version of spy again in this film. He's even in a tuxedo at one point. He is he was, but he was standing there with a tray of drinks for a good minute and a half to listen. Like he to listen to out, a conversation that these guys out, did not care that he was listening to. Check out for like a sore thumb. Yes, <laughs> he was sneaking. sneaking. I just, I honestly, I want that magical microwave too, man. That thing can like cook a roast in like thirty seconds. Yeah, that thing was great. <laughs> I didn't think that technology exists. Of all the things to pick up on, that he, microwave. Jesus, he defrosted the whole freezer, cooked it all, threw it in a bathtub. It was fantastic. He did that in what three minutes total, and gave off enough heat total. to pretend to be two human beings. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's fantastic. Is that a thing that could ever work? I was so baffled by watching this because I'm like, well, they're telling me this is possible. Is this possible? <laughs> it can if you've got a magical microwave. Yeah, they brought it to thirty-six point. 
I want to say nine degrees centigrade. Maybe go. it's a maybe it's a spicrowave. Spicrowave. <laughs> I like it. I mean, look at the level of writing we're dealing with this week. I think I can make jokes like that, and it's absolutely fine. It's true. Oh, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're telling me, Jim, is you love the film. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Mm. <laughs> it was it was awful. It was literally one bad scene from one bad scene from one bad scene. I do like him. He's he's got charisma. Does he's got he? more charisma than Vin Diesel. I, I, no, get out of here. I think there's an I'm going to I'm going uh, to agree with Jim on this one. Yeah. I will uh, take the uh, charismatic ice cube over the uh the uh, tank top Howdy. that is Vin Diesel. Howdy Vin Diesel. I will take Bora Bora all day instead of uh mission accomplished. Like great. <laughs> great. I don't know. When he says what was the line I liked the most? Oh, yeah, he when he got the uh all the weapons and he's like God bless America. <laughs> yes. Those are lines you can't come back from. It's true. He's blessing those. He's blessing those weapons for mass destruction. Hey, Jim, don't do it for the red, white, and blue. Do it for yourself. Do it for the right to hack and jack cars of the highest quality on the same block as the White House. <laughs> but you know what, Bryce? There's no such thing as a dead end. That's writing. And you guys gave me shtick from Spicrowave. Jesus. <laughs> I love Sp I love Spicrowave. I want to buy one. I need, I need that that roast turkey cooked in 20 seconds. Coming to our Redbubble store soon. Spicrowaves. Of all the, there's so many ridiculous things in this film, but maybe the most ridiculous one is when he's they're trying to convince Zeke, you know, played by Exhibit to like join their little cause here and to, you know, oh, yeah, and he's like, was... you know, like, why would I help you? And he's, and, and he's like, you know what, if you do this for all my buddies and everything, then, then you know, maybe I'll consider it. And, and, and agent Steele says, I'll do what I can. Yeah. To which Zeke says, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, Scott Speedman is a very trustworthy face, but I, I'm curious, I guess so. I'm curious, Scott, you know, what did you think? Cause you hadn't seen this before you said, that you'd protested when Vin Diesel walked off the roll, but it's now like, oh God, like 16 years later, what did you think of Triple X State of the Union? Cam, the things I do for this podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> when Rich Wilkes said the story about the two uh, scripts mm -hmm. and, and how they chose the other one and, uh, and like a, I, I just dismissed that that was a bad thing. I, I said that it, this could still be a good film. Let's not worry about that. And then when I heard like Vin Diesel, Rob Cohen walked away, I was like, maybe it's still a good film. Let's give it a chance. And then the first time I watched this film, I was really sick with the flu. I still had the voice problems, but I was really sick. And so I, I said to myself, you know, maybe this is all just my fever. Maybe that's why I'm hating every second of this. I did write down, which is probably my favorite note I've ever written. Um, this should be titled Triple X to State of the Flunian. Oof. Nice. I mean, Spikerwave Part 2. Yeah. Bringing it home. <laughs> Spikerwave Part 2. But ultimately, I mean, it's just dull. And that's weird for a Triple X film. It's. Like, the CG is abysmal. This is Die Another Day level bad CG. 
I found all of the leads to be completely wooden, except for Willem Dafoe. But he's given such bad material that you just can't really stand any of it. And so I can understand completely why no one turned up to see this film. I am completely disappointed in this film. Yeah, for me, going back, it was definitely not a movie I was looking forward to, just given my memories of it in the past. I found for maybe the first half, I was going, oh, like this isn't as bad as I remembered. Like I really remembered like an incomprehensible, horrific experience to sit through. And I was like, oh, this is just like a really dumb, stupid action movie that's kind of bland. But I really actually kind of liked Ice Cube in this movie in that he felt, I think, in line with what you want to do if you're going to make another triple X film with a different actor. Like I think of movies like if you go back to like the original Planet of the Apes. When they made the second Planet of the Apes, they're like, just cast someone who's like the bargain basement Charlton Heston, which is so boring. Whereas I felt like with um, with Ice Cube, they were like, okay, let's bring in someone else, create a new character, but also kind of like tap into what makes that actor effective. Like, I think he has kind of a tough talking persona. I like that they brought in like the chop shop stuff. It felt in sort of in kind of doing this you know, maybe hasty sequel, they were at least trying to build a vehicle around Ice Cube. So I kind of appreciated that. And he does have a charisma I thought worked. He wasn't as bad as I remembered. But to me, like, it just doesn't... First off, it's just like a boring action movie. Like, it really wears out its welcome after about, for me, about half an hour, 40 minutes or something like that. Once the plot kicks in with, like, Willem Dafoe is the world's most boring villain, you know, who has a very boring plan, um, you kind of check out. But I think there's a couple things that are real problems. Number one, the whole point of the Triple X franchise was he is like extreme, you know, the Xander zone. It's like stunts. It's crazy things you could never see in a Bond movie taken to the next level. <laughs> the next level. Um, but um, yeah, but um, it's like, you know, he's doing crazy feats of, you know, <laughs> like extreme sports in that first film. In this one, it's like they remove all of it. There's like some fast driving, uh, but it's not things that are really outside of what you might see in a James Bond film. But also, when you look at Xander Cage, he's an outsider. The whole concept is that the NSA can't succeed. They need someone who is so off the grid, someone who is so outside of what the norm you would get from like an agent is. That's why he works. Whereas like the Ice Cube character is like a former military man. Like that's not particularly interesting it's like oh okay he's someone who worked with the samuel jackson character in the past in a unit like that's not the like outsider bringing a unique perspective to the picture it's more like okay we're just gonna bring in like i don't know a real gung-ho soldier type so i thought it was just a really weird creative choice and kind of makes more of a generic action movie than a triple x sequel well this is one of my problems i think with the ice cube darius stone character is you know, Triple X is meant to be, as a, as a franchise, as a film, it's meant to be anti-establishment, anti-James Bond. It's the opposite of what you're meant to be getting it anywhere else. And and then they, uh, you know, if you look at what's going on in the culture in 2004, you know, we've come out of the new metal period by this point. So they couldn't have really gone back to that well anyway. But I don't think going to a gangster rapper whose height was in 1992 is... Uh, you know, is his finger on the pulse casting. So you think maybe like someone younger, like if you want to go with the rap angle, which I think would have been smart. 
um, and I think actually does somewhat work in the movie. I'm happy with rap, happy with rap, but just yeah. I just think having Ice Cube, you know, when when he was in NWA, I believe it was NWA, you know, that either early eighties, late eighties or early nineties, but around that time time period, that was when he was at his height. And then since then, he's gone on to become an actor. That's fine, but he isn't cool. There was no doubt at that stage in time, two thousand and two, that Vin Diesel was cool. Sure. Fast and Furious, Triple X. He was cool. I don't think um, Darius Stone, Mr. Nice Cube, as I wrote it down, is cool. I mean, yeah, I I don't know that he was that cool in, like, Torque. Um, but I, I, I guess I just don't know who... I mean, I guess they should have just picked someone. If they wanted, like, someone who was a rapper, there's other rappers who are, can act. So they should have maybe looked at someone maybe younger skewing. That probably would have helped the box office at the very least. Like the movie may not have been better, but it probably would have grabbed 20-year-olds more so than this did. What did you guys think of Darius Stone himself? Yeah, Ice Cube cast in this film was a complete misfire. If you're going to cast him, at least don't have him running. (laughs) Just don't do it. Just avoid having shots of Ice Cube running, because that was just painful for me to watch. Well, well but so was um, the slow of him walking, so... Yeah, well, I liked the slow-mo walking while things were blowing up in the background. That was fantastic. That's what they... That, you know what? That's probably the answer. This whole movie should have been in slow motion. Is that possible? There's only one way to find out. I don't know. They should have tried. <laughs> it is a problem with, just with the character, though, in that, like with Vin Diesel, it's a very flashy charisma in that movie. Like when he walks into a scene, he's kind of a scene stealer and that all the characters are kind of watching him. Whereas like Ice Cube is like much more internal. He has much more of a kind of keep away from me vibe. You don't have that sort of magnetism of this like showy agent walking in and just kind of catching everyone off guard the way you do with Diesel in the original Triple X. It's like, I don't, I don't even know what to make of the Darius Stone character. He seems like he just doesn't want to be there, which isn't necessarily the most fun vibe for an action movie. Well, he even says he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Triple X once starts off with Vin Diesel stealing that car and, like, don't be a dick, dick. And then it, like, plays to Drowning Pool. And you're like, oh, this is, okay, he's kind of on our side. Darius Stone doesn't want to be in the picture. Yeah, I think it comes across in it, too. It's like his apathy to the whole concept, which makes no sense why he's even helping in the first place, really. Helping with what? I still don't don't know either that. Yeah, but, you know, he's along for the ride with um, College Boy. But maybe um, maybe to Scott's point, too, that to know that he did Are We There Yet, I think just before this one, that he wasn't cool. And I, I think the the casting was not great. I like, I, like I said before, I prefer him over Vin Diesel. I just do. But I, but I don't like Vin Diesel. So I, he could recast him with anybody. But yeah, I would say the, they missed the casting call on this one. Well, if you're going to look at career highlights, Ice Cube has shone brighter than Vin Diesel, I would say. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, really? when you look at yeah, yeah I, definitely like um, you know, Boys in the Hood, um, as well as like I think his work in Twenty One Jump Street is super fun. 
the original Friday is definitely a, like a huge cult classic. There's a lot of stuff he's done. Oh no, like Friday and stuff are good films. I just I I was I would have said if you put those two names on a list, people would pick Vin Diesel over Ice Cube. Oh, I think so because he's in such bigger dot box office numbers. Like I think he's got the box office numbers, Vin Diesel. It doesn't mean that he's has an ounce of talent in any way, shape, or form. I have no clue why people. To your point earlier, why are we go? Why are we adding to this? You know why? Because there's no other movies coming out that are any good. <laughs> we don't have a choice. It's like, okay, if we're going to go to the cinemas this week, what are we going to see? Oh, another terrible action movie or another terrible Fast and Furious movie? You don't have choice. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Agents, pardon the interruption, but we have some top secret intel. That's right. Independent podcasting is not cheap. Equipment, hosting, research. We don't have Townsend Agency resources. And also, we don't want to run ads on the show. No one wants to hear that shit, tucky mushrooms. And this is a big reason we created the Spy Hearts Patreon. So we're here asking for your help. Please consider joining the Patreon. You'll not only be gaining access to our exclusive lineup of reviews and film commentaries, but also helping support the show. We're currently saving to upgrade our sound equipment to bring your listening experience up to Q-Branch standards. With a wide range of flexible options and an ever-growing catalogue to dive into, become a true spy hard today and enter the Xander Zone at patreon.com slash spyhards. That's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, or you can find a link in the show notes below. Now, Cam, on with the spy jinx. I think what I want to do, and this this is a tough section for me, I, we like to talk about the likes before we get into the weeds of things that annoyed us, on, especially on films like this. So I'm going to throw it out to everyone and get things that we did like about this film. So have a think. I'll throw out mine first. I didn't have any. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I'm kidding. Really? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I liked that Samuel L. Jackson got a bigger part to play in this one compared to the first one. In the first one, he was just man in office giving orders. In this one, he's actually firing guns. He has kind of a story. He gets killed and comes back. It's nice to see Samuel L. Jackson just not doing that badass guy behind the screen. He does he does so well, but at least the... Uh, what's the name of the character? Augustus Eugene Gibbons. Nice to see him doing a bit more. Yeah, what a name, though. All so right. awesome. Like, he's fun. He's playing, you know, kind of like the Nick Fury type here. And the more you get of Samuel Jackson, just the more he can inject, you know, charisma wise. Because, like, I'm not huge on, like, uh, you know, Shavers, the tech guy. He's fine, whatever. But, like, I think when you have someone. He's terrible. He's terrible, yeah. I mean, when you have, like, Samuel Jackson there, he does inject so much, just movie star presence. I love that um, the chap that plays Shavers. His IMDb hasn't got a photo on it. He's yeah. that bland that he hasn't got a photo on IMDb. I feel like nice. he's a guy who I wonder if they would have even considered recasting him if Vin Diesel had stayed. But the problem was once Vin Diesel walked, it's like you want to have some remaining elements of the previous franchise. So maybe even they boosted up his role just to try to connect the dots a little more. I just found out he died in 2009. What? Oh, wow. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. This is live podcasting, people. Oh, my God. With 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 13-year-old news. 
Like, I mean, I'm not taking my joke back. It was still funny, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he died in 2009. I don't have any reason why, but yeah, he went on to be in Dukes of Hazard. Um, but he, but he was in Black Hawk Down. He was, yeah, so yeah. He, good at film. Least, he at least died with a, an amazing film in its credit. Yeah, only 32 years old. God, that's tragic. I had no idea, and we did not yeah. stumble across that when we did the first one either. Oh, well, there you go. So, okay, other likes about the film. Let's go with Cam Nick, something you liked. I thought there was some energy off the top, and I actually kind of admired things like the attack on the base is, I think, it's confusing because in the original they set up very clearly that it's NSA and X works for NSA, whereas here they started muddying it with, like, elevators with the X logo on them and things like that, so it's like... Yeah this confusing retrofitting of it's the triple X organization or something like that. It's very, it makes it just confusing as you said, but like, I thought just in terms of like an action sequence, I thought the siege was pretty effective. And also um, I thought the escape from the prison was fun. It was pretty cleanly shot. I go, okay, there may be a lot of stunt doubles here, but I'm liking what I'm seeing to me. The, Ice Cube doing parkour. Yeah, I'll totally take yeah. that. Like, that's more fun than what we get later where, like, you get a lot more CG, a lot more muddy cinematography. I thought up top the action yeah. was actually, it was so much more um, effective than I remembered that I started questioning my memories of this film because I'm going like, this is not what I recalled watching. I recalled it looking like a mess where clearly that came mm -hmm. from the second half more so than the first. I will say in that prison breakout scene, I, I did laugh out loud, which is always enjoyable when you do that. When he literally just jumped off a building and the helicopter materialized out of nowhere for him to grab on. Yeah, Completely awesome. silent as well. It just appeared. Yeah. yeah. It just appeared. There's he's no going to die. I was surprised. What? That's what I loved. I was like, wow, yes. he's dead. He jumped off a giant building. And credits then, just no, rolls. Yeah, roll and then credits. he didn't die. It was like the inverse of the other guys scene where uh, The Rock and Sam Jackson jump off the building and the whole audience sits yeah, there waiting yeah. for something to happen. Here, it's like, well, there, there's the chopper. That It's moments like this that they were spoofing. Yeah. Who did a prison break better, Black Widow or Triple X2? Oh, mm, that's tough. They're both really terrible. Yeah, like the, I, I liked Black Widow the movie more, but like that whole section was really wonky CG stuff. It's not a particularly memorable sequence. So, God, I don't know. I didn't laugh during Black Widow, so I'm going with Triple X. Maybe Triple X. Wow. I liked uh, that that ScarJo actually did her pose. That was funny. Yeah. I we knew it was coming. But it was still funny when it happened. If that's if that's uh, if that's Black Widow's pose, what is uh, Darius Stone's pose? It's just a snarl. It's his pouty face. Yeah, it's his pouty face. It's his version of Blue Steel. Okay, well, I'm glad we put that to bed. Who wins out of Black Widow and Triple X Two? Uh, the question that people have been asking in cinemas for for well since Black Widow came out. I'm glad we could put that to bed. But exactly, we we we've accomplished something in this podcast. Today. It, it is not for nothing. I'm glad. I'm glad we. I'm glad we got there. But um, Bryce, a, a thing you liked? Um, probably the thing that I. Sometimes you know you watch a movie and you don't know you want something until you actually see it, and that happened in this movie for me. I didn't realize that that I what I needed in my life was to watch a fist fight between Ice Cube and Willem Dafoe, <laughs> but towards the end of this, I got that, and you know what? That was probably the thing I liked most in this movie. The magic of cinema. 
I tell you, sometimes you just you don't know what you want until it's there. And you're like, wow, somebody could have told me I wanted this. I would have said, no, I don't. But then I watched it. Oh, yeah, I wanted it bad. This felt like it was almost evoking the Willem Dafoe villain performances pre-Spider-Man. Because it's like in the past you had yeah. stuff like Speed 2 where you're like, poor Willem Dafoe, great actor. What's he doing in this? Then you got Spider-Man. You're like, oh my God, he finally found the showcase to be an iconic movie villain. And now we're back to Speed 2 territory, baby. Which also, also Speed 2 did not have Keanu Reeves. And here we do not have Vin Diesel. So Willem Dafoe's the guy to go to if you're going to recast your lead of your action franchise. Nice. Connections. Mm, okay. All right. Well, I, I think every film is improved with a fist fight between Ice Cube and Willem Dafoe. So we should... Try and get that into more films going forward. But uh, Jim, the the final like, what have you got? Um, I think what I liked the most was Cam's comment just he just made. That's what I like about this film. <laughs> I are you saying you couldn't give me anything? Well, I told you I do like Ice Cube. Does that count? That counts. The opening credits were kind of fun too. I thought they were kind of trashy in all the best ways. I mean, if you're going to have a terribly written movie with terrible lines and just someone who's not going to care that they're doing the movie, that the movie's actually happening, if you're going to have anybody do that, even though we did say that he's probably not the best cast. Wait, wait, wait. Who are you describing? The director, the writer, the lead actor? That, that could have been any of those people. Ice Cube. Oh. Yes, it could have been. But in particular, I said, if you're going to have that, you want to have Ice Cube. Because although we kind of alluded to the fact and talked about the fact he wasn't cool when he made this, he still is cool. He's, he's MFing Ice Cube. True. And he just carries around the coolness that is the cube. It's, it's in the name. Yeah. Ice, Ice, baby. That's a, that's a different rapper. Or Ice Cube, baby. We're going to get a DMA strike on that one now. That's, yeah, uh... that, that's Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Yeah, and he ain't cool. No, he is not cool. <laughs> well, I, I think that probably pivots us beautifully over to things we didn't like, and we've kind of waded into this territory already, but I didn't like Ice Cube. I'm just going to... I just think he was probably the one of the worst choices you could have made. I mean, not the worst choice. I mean, there's... I, I think I could list a bunch of people I wouldn't want to see in a triple X film, but... Ice Cube is, is one of those people. I think it was a missed opportunity because, Scott, it's something you and I have, uh, getting serious for a second, I suppose, um, it's something you and I have come across just with our master list of spy films. There's very few spy films with people of color as your lead spy. Yeah. Very few. And it's too bad that, A, um, you know, you have Ice Cube plugged into this movie but he's having to step into the shoes of like a Vin Diesel. Like it's too bad. He didn't have his own action franchise um, built around him that maybe played to his strengths that didn't have the baggage because like, this is a movie built up to disappoint. Anyone who's a fan of the first triple X is going in to be disappointed because they're not getting their lead. The action is not as memorable as the first one. It's like, there's nothing here that's going to deliver. That's going to present him in a good way where Darius stone is going to be a character that audiences are cheering for in a third go around. Um, and then also it's like, you know, it's not a good script. Like if you're going to make a triple X sequel starring him, okay. But if it's not good, then, you know, what do you get out of that? Nothing. And 
there's fun ways he finds, I think, to inject. It feels like a little bit of commentary, you know, that he can be invisible, dressing as a waiter at like an upper class, um, you know, government function where it's all these white politicians and he's walking around invisible. I think there's like some interesting commentary that could have been dug a little deeper in a different movie, probably not a franchise film and not a sequel film. Um, ideas like that, I think, are kind of valuable to inject into the spy genre. And hopefully we come across a movie that does it better but I can appreciate that it's kind of here, even if it's really clunky. So it's just kind of, I think, it's it's too bad. Like, it's a missed opportunity, but one that probably wasn't programmed to succeed in the first place. It's it's definitely a tough thing when I look at that master list and, and, and you realize there are just so many straight white males that lead these films. Um, and, and looking back on the 80, close to 80 films we've covered so far, I, I don't think we've had many people of color or many female leads no like we've got things like there's the don cheeto film uh traitor on our list we've got um you know enter the dragon with bruce lee we've got a few things but when you look at the, the sheer numbers it's there's very few very few for people of color my films are not the only genre that have that it's 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 been like that for so long right mm -hmm, definitely and a lot of the spy stuff is so grounded in the 1960s sensibility too so it's like, yep. if they're not period era spy films of the 60s, they're trying to evoke that. So they kind of constantly yep. fall back on that type of casting choice. I think, not to sidestep it, but I think Daniel Craig casting him in the new Bonds kind of changed that a little bit because it changed away from him being a sexist pig to being like somebody of somewhat integrity in that franchise. Yeah. I mean, that is until he turns up into that woman's shower in Skyfall, but we won't get into that. <laughs> True. That's a, that's a bit icky. It, was, it is a Bond film. If you didn't get at least one of those yeah. somewhere, you'd be surprised. Just to get a bit handsy. Well, um, Jim, something you disliked. Other than the whole movie, <clears throat> specifically, I, I didn't like the fact, and I kind of had talked a little bit about this, they didn't set us up for success right from the very beginning. There was nothing that was kind of like, okay, this is actually to make it a purpose for this movie. It was like right from the very beginning, everything was muddled and it just kept like this giant steamroll rolling downhill of confusion and misunderstanding through the whole movie. So for me, it was just the, the fact, if you're going to make a sequel, somehow tie it in a little better. Mm -hmm. And, and then of course have, better writing, better directing, better acting, better scripts, better action sequences, have better stunts, have better everything. Just do one. What if they could have done one of those better? Yeah. It would have been perhaps a little better. You tap into something that I had down in one of my dislikes, but I think you, you've kind of brought it up here as well, is Cam and I often get frustrated with either underbaked or overdeveloped spy plots. People either want to go so far that you've got, you know, eight twists and turns. Or they don't develop it enough that it doesn't make any sense. And this mm. this isn't an overbaked spy plot. This is very much an underbaked spy plot. But I watched this film yeah. twice for the review. And I'm still not entirely sure what the bad guy's... A, the bad guy's plot, uh, you know, the scheme was. And, and B, <laughs> what the purpose of getting another triple X, triple X was. Like, why yeah. why did they come back? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's the Avengers and you got to pull them in because, you know, the world's going to end. It's like, we got to pull in Triple X. 
uh, what? Why don't you just call the police? Triple X is, is yeah. Well, Triple X is three guys. It it makes you scratch, and 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 this is and, and this is coming from four guys who review films, and we're sitting here scratching our heads. I've scratched it so hard I haven't got hair left. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> the twelve either. people that turned up to the cinema in two thousand and five? How they were feeling about it. And also, like, yeah. the, the villain plot is pretty basic on paper. Like, Willem Dafoe outlines it. If you knock off, you know, basically all the higher-ups, you can become the president. Like, that's his main goal, which is pretty simple. And yet, like, I didn't understand why at the end he's running around with the president at gunpoint. It's like, I don't know, shouldn't he just, like, kill the president? It seems like that's part of his plan. Yeah. It's, it's like, like why, why is he just... But he needs it to look like an accident, maybe? Through train crash? Well, because it goes to shoot him in the in the Capitol building. Yeah. He gets him down on his knees and points a gun at him, and that's when they hit the, the building with the tank, and it distracts them. Yep. But then he grabs the president. And then he forgot? Yeah, he then, forgot. He, then he grabs he the president totally and runs forgot. off at him. I'm like, why don't he just shoot him and then run away? He totally forgot yeah. his plot. That's what it was. He forgot. He crashed in. He's like, oh, man, I forgot what I was going to do. Well, come with me, Mr. President. Did I hit the back of my head? I forgot what I was doing. Better, better get on that bullet train for the final sequence. Yes. Exactly. Let's just talk about the bullet train because, like, that is everything I remembered about this movie. And it's, like, some of the worst CG possible. And you have um, Ice Cube in a, a, you know, sports car chasing after this after this train that's going, I guess, what, 220 miles per hour? And apparently... Well, according to the end, 220, maybe 225. And I, can a chopper go that fast? Because it's keeping up with the, play, or with the train, too. It's triple X, baby. It's extreme. Probably. So? But more importantly, who has if you're gonna have a bullet train that is supposedly the transportation for the president between places, shouldn't it be always underground? Like they're they're driving on the streets. Did you see when they were going through the streets of oh, yeah. Washington DC? He's going two hundred twenty five miles an hour, he hops onto some train tracks while doing two hundred twenty five. Of course he doesn't lose control, just kind of shimmies left and right to blow out the tires. It's like, what is going on? And then that they could travel that fast on metal on metal. <laughs> and the thing is, like, that whole gag, you know, Roger Moore did it in Octopussy. So it's not even like you're coming up with a stunt and, like, take it to the next level. It's like, yeah, I've seen this before, but it looked a lot better before in 1983. Looked a lot better in 1983. And you know what? The way they kind of set it up in 1983, it kind of seemed feasible. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And it was completely not with this. Yeah, nobody saw this scene and thought, wow, this could actually have happened. No. No one. The train looks like a glowing cartoon. I mean, this is the Polar Express rolling up on screen, going at a faster rate. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. The bells were shaken, that's for sure. Christmas bells. I, I think, and this is uh, maybe another one of the problems I had, is sort of building on that, is more just the stunts. Because one thing the first film did really well for me was it had a very practical side. All the stunts felt like they had this physical weight to them. They were clearly a stuntman on that bike driving over the ramp, over the barn that was exploding simultaneously. And it looked badass. This looks just like a piece of early naughty CGI mess. Yeah. And that, I mean, that there's some people that can go to the theaters and they're not bothered by that. And that's fine. But I watch it and I just, I can't stand looking at it. Yeah. The scene where he does the dive 
should be a lot funnier than it is. Like, it, the CG is so horrific that you just roll your eyes. But the idea of, like, they set up early on that, like, Ice Cube had, like, the longest dive or something like that. He set the record for dives. And the fact that you finally had that big dive and he's, like, using, like, a grenade launcher to, like, break the surface of the water. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty hilarious. That's pretty hilarious stuff. But it looks so bad that it's not as fun. Yeah. Would that help? I don't know. That was what I was wondering. How? What would that do, really? You're just... You're diving. Yeah, who are we to question? Ask Ice Cube. Hey, we're, we're not Darius Stone, are we? None of us Ice are Cube Darius did all Stone. his own stunts, Scott. He should know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Everyone. Very true. Especially the parkour. <laughs> that was... Yeah. Yes. All right, well, Bryce, you're up next. What have you got for dislikes? Dislikes. Um... Yeah, it's I've, I'm just uh, mimicking everything that everybody else has said. It's it just nothing made sense. Whether it be, you know, what what am I watching here? Why is this happening? Whether it be the fact that when they sat there and shot at a group of people, only the bad guys went down. Whether it be, you know, just n like nothing made sense. Like the the uh, the the scene with the the microwave and that like there's literally. In every scene that this movie has, you can pick out something that just doesn't make sense. Every single scene. You could sit there and dissect this entire movie, and in every scene, there'll be something. How about the fact that there's bombs and explosions and everything going off, and there are horses that are standing there just looking around like nothing's going on. I'm sorry, you get even a loud noise by a horse, it gets spooked and shoots off. It's insane. Nothing made sense in this entire movie or just the geography of the tank inside the aircraft carrier that that is a nightmare like i had no idea where that tank was in that ship at all yeah yeah oh there's two of them yeah true oh <laughs> uh, they're in a they're in a computer cam <laughs> true and i like yeah. that the first one's all about speed and like the first movie is all about like how fast can they go and like this one there's scenes where they're in tanks going slowly down the road and i'm like boy yeah. boy this is not a good comparison point guys it kind of brings up bryce's love of austin powers yeah when he's trying to escape <laughs> that, that that's i mean we've had this uh film on our list to tackle for a while and i, I felt that sense of impending doom as the steamroller slowly rolls towards me. Yeah. Uh, the steamroller yes. is triple X two. That is, yes. there's a great correlation here. Great correlation. Well, I, I think, you know what, you know what made the least sense. So I just could jump in for a Go second. She, she gives uh, Darius a half a million dollar car, which he didn't turn just absolutely demolishes. And then all she, then all she has to say at it is like, how fast did it go? <laughs> and then, after all of that, after all of that, she gives him another car. How does this make sense? Well, it wasn't her car. What she already sold it. On? She already sold it. She didn't care. Ugh. Apparently. Ugh. Oh, it's insured. It's insured. Oh, it's it's a, it's a racket. That's all this is. See, I needed to. I needed to uh, read between the implications. Yes, so there's insurance. Well, the actuaries on the insurance policy on that probably would have had. You know, a deductible potentially of about I'm thinking maybe twenty five thousand. But you know, 
you know, once it got through a little bit of the process through the insurance company, and then of course they had to deal with the banks to cash the checks, it might not have been a big deal. So, you know, you got to kind of think these through Bryce, like think it through all the way. She's probably only out 25 grand, not not half a million. Exactly. If your car is destroyed by triple X, is it an act of God? Yes. Yes. What? Yes. Great. Let me remember that quote I gave earlier. God bless America. Yes. Does it count when your triple X is played by Ice Cube though? Does it have to be the Vin Diesel triple X to count as an act of God? No. I don't know. He had the tattoo on his neck at the end. I don't know. Did he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I missed yeah. that yeah. twice. You missed that? <laughs> you watched it twice and you missed the tattoo session? Yeah. He, he literally got off the train and went and got his tattoo done. Yeah. Huh. Wow. <laughs> it must have been the flu. Mm. <laughs> well, I think before we uh, get to the uh, the final moment of this this review and talk about the knock list, I'm going to throw it out to final thoughts. I had a question I wanted to pose. Is this film, and if you haven't seen it, guys, that's fine, but I know Cam has. Is this film worse than Die Another Day? Damn, that's uh, a good question. I say yes. I think this one's much more generic, whereas Die Another Day has some really hilarious, campy, over-the-top stuff that's really memorable, and just lines. You know, the whole, like, Halle Berry, I could learn to like it if I had the time. I'll for- I'll remember that for the rest of my life. There's very little in this movie I'll remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. I Yeah. I, 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 I feel like if you did Die Another Day... And I, I know it was financially successful, but I feel like there was a, a stink about that film. I saw it in the theaters dying of the day, and I remember being disappointed by it. There must have been the critics must not have been a fan, or the Bond fans must not have been a fan. Someone must have said dying of the day was trash to Lita Mahari. But he follows it up with this, and I can't figure out why you would go back to that well of bad CGI and a bad script. Well, it's like I said up front, Die Another Day was a massive hit. And it was, as I said, the highest grossing Brosnan film. Like, as far as Lee Tamahari walks out of that, he's just made the most successful Brosnan Bond film. So, I don't know. What's his takeaway? Money. Yeah, I mean, this movie was a massive hit. So, he's like, okay, that's my thing. I'm going to say, for me, I'm going to say this was not as bad as Die Another Day. And the reason I say that is because you have a, such a high level of expectation going into a Bond film that you don't have going into a triple X film. When you go into a trip, for me anyway, you go into a triple X film is like, leave my, check my mind at the door. I know this is going to be terrible, but let me just laugh through it. I was angry the entire movie with Die Another Day. It was like, Every single moment of the film made me angry. Well, I was, whereas the other, with the other one, I was chuckling more about how bad it was. It was almost bad funny. Whereas Die Another Day was like, I take Bond seriously, or I did take Bond seriously. <laughs> and, and, um, and uh, yeah, no. So I would say this is better than Die Another Day for me. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'm with you on that one, Jim. I think, um, it's, Die Another Day feels like a, like they've whiffed it. Like they've really just not figured it out. They don't know what they're doing and they've taken a beloved franchise and just pissed it up the wall. Whereas this is just Triple X 2. Like it's a follow up to a Vin Diesel film. The the expectations are not high, but uh but any other final thoughts Cam what have you got? I have a couple things actually I want to bring up. Um 
So like, maybe a question for all of us. Um, at the end of this movie, it seems like Ice Cube is done um, because the Samuel Jackson character is saying, I got some ideas. I've got the perfect candidate for the next Triple X yeah. credits. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. This is 2005. Who do you think... This is where we needed an end credit scene. Uh-huh. Who do you think would be a candidate for the next Triple X? Like, we got to go back. This is 2005, so we're looking probably at 2007, 2008. And you're looking for, like, edgy. You're looking for someone that's bringing, like, a youth kind of appeal. Who are they looking at as the next Triple X? I could see them going with a woman. I think the same. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know who could play it? especially after her experience in Die Another Day, is Halle Berry. Yeah? No. Maybe. Yes. Is that, is that the X in Jinx? Time. It's, it's Jinx XXX. Yes, Jinx XXX. Cle Halle Berry clearly wanted to do like another spy franchise, so maybe when Jinx yeah. collapses. It would but... have been the perfect one. Or do you think they would have gone like maybe even younger? Like I'm almost that, wondering. That's like... my worry. I don't think she's quite young enough anymore at this point. What, 2006? I'm almost wondering if, like, Kristen Stewart coming off of Twilight. Mm. No, because everybody except Bryce thought Twilight was terrible. She's not cool, though, is she? She has a no. certain, like, ironic distance. She has that kind of... We see her in Charlie's Angels. She has a little bit of that flippant attitude. Nah. She's not gritty. I would, out of the two I've heard, I would rather Halle Berry. Yeah, same. I'm just, I, I'm making like a fan poster in my head right now. It literally, it's like Jinx XXX. It's great. It, it, it's, it's great. <laughs> Actually, what am I talking about? Why would I prefer Halle Berry? I saw her in Die Another Day. I would rather the Kristen Stewart from Charlie's Angels was, was way more fun. I would rather watch that movie. Come on, Cam. You could learn to like it. If I had the time. Back then. Remember, it's 2005. That's, a, that's actually quite a long time ago. Is that pre-Catwoman? Uh, Catwoman's 2004. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. She, although she was doing bad stuff, apparently back to back, <laughs> she was still a bit of an action star at the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess like now I'm like thinking about this because they would have been probably developing this movie, a sequel in like 2006, seven. Kristen Stewart's probably a bit too young. So I'm trying to think of yeah. someone who's like 25 at this point, And no one is really jumping to mind who kind of represents that sort of, you know, FU authority type. Oh, I think, um, you know, who could do it is Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, that's really good. Oh, wow. I think you nailed yes. it. I think that's a home Michelle run. Rodriguez. Yes, yes. I would watch that yeah. film. I'm on board. Yep. Great right? job. And she's, she is a fantastic actor. So it, it would, it would bring a whole new level to this. Settled. Yeah. The triple X three that we never got. Yeah. That's right. But it wouldn't be Jinx Triple X. It uh, what would it be? Mm, what do you call the, the the third person? If you, it's going to have to be a pun about uh, women, isn't it? Although it could be a pun in the fact if it was number three, we all know what going number three means. So it could be Triple X number three. Mm, sure, Cam. What? Uh, sure. Um, but you know the character's name would be Alexandra or Lexi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yes. But if we're going for like a, a like a we is the title Lexi with three X's. Mm -hmm. 
Is the is the title going to have a, a pun in it based on it being a female lead? I don't think so, because look at this movie. How could I ever predict that the title of Triple X would be called State of the Union? Well, okay, well then, but you had the next level as well. Yeah, that doesn't count. Take <laughs> your choice. What was it? The, neither one of them. You always know you got a quality film when it gets released under multiple names. Yeah. That's always yeah. been a... Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm firmly on board for the Michelle Rodriguez version of this film. But Cam, you said you had something else? Yeah, well, you know what? Jumping off of that, a real disappointment for me was the female characters in this movie suck. Like, yeah. when you look at, I think, Asia Argento was actually pretty strong in the previous film, and they gave her a lot to do. They made her integral to the plot. And it's like, here, you've got Nona Gay as his ex-girlfriend who just kind of gives him cars and makes, like, basically, like, <laughs> like porn star-level comments to him throughout the movie and just does nothing. And I think she's actually a decent actress, so this role is just a dead end. And then also, Sonny Mabry as, like, the villain. Yeah. She's brutal. And, like... She's brutal. And literally, the first shot that we have of her is, like, focused right on her cleavage. That's the yeah. absolute first shot. And, like, I was familiar with her from, I think, the third Species movie. She was the star of that. Oof. So... Was she? She is, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, you watch this movie. You're kind of a mini Ned Asher Henstridge, I guess. And it was straight to video as well, I should add. So the fact that you cast her as your villainess here, like, I think it's... It's a dead-end character. Like, the script is terrible. But, like, if you had someone with, like, real chops or personality, they could override that at least a little bit. She is not the actor to be doing that. Well, to be fair, she did work with uh, Samuel Jackson the very next year in Snakes on a Plane. Correct. Oh. Yeah. There were a lot of snakes on that plane. There were. There's also yeah. a weird thing in this movie with characters punching her out or whatever. It's like... This weird running joke of Samuel Jackson being like, you should kill the bitch. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that was a little awkward. Yeah, it totally was awkward. awkward. Very awkward. And then he does. Yeah, then he does. Well, then he does. I think it was awkward. Very awkward is probably a good way of describing our experience with this film. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just lastly, it's it's just kind of weird to watch this movie now. And it, it ends with like this news footage about an attack on the U.S. Capitol. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of uncomfortable. This movie is aged in weird ways. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did notice that. I mean, the whole like Senate room panicking and stuff. I was like, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. Mm. Jim and Bryce, throwing it to you before we start to wrap up. Any final thoughts? Um, no. Thank you for letting us get to a level of rage that we only get to share amongst ourselves. So, well, I'm not finished you with your that. rage yet, Jim. I, I have a question for you shortly. But Bryce, I think you have one question left for us. Uh, my question is about uh, the fact that they kept on bringing up World War Four in this, and I am just wondering if there was ever a World War Three. Like, was there a World War Three in the first Triple X? Because I don't recall that. There was not. Um, I I think it would have been a funnier line if he said, um, you know, they're going to cause World War Three and Four or something like that. The fact that he just kept saying Four was really weird. I didn't, World, I didn't yeah, get it. And they didn't do it once. <laughs> yeah, I have no answer for that because the entire plot of One is like a failed attempt to kill a few people. It's not even, it's not, it's not like world-sized stakes. No, that's strange. They saved the world, though. Did they? Apparently. Well, I think before we get to the knock list. Gents, you have your own scale by which you measure films. And I'm curious to know, 
does this film, is, it, is this a rage? Is this Mundo? Where does it sit for you? This is a huge rage. Like, not Nine Lives huge rage, or as Bryce just talked about, a Katherine Heigl God. film type rage, but it's a rage. Yeah, I just had to watch a Gerard Butler and Katherine Heigl film last week, and it's, this, was, this was a breath of fresh air compared to that. <laughs> the ugly truth? The ugly truth. Yep. Uh, but this was a rage. I just wanted to hear you say that in that voice. That, that's, that's, I needed to hear that in my ear. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I did feel the rage the second time round. Having to sit through this a second time filled me full of several emotions. One of them keenly was rage. So I, I, I'm glad we've had you guys on for it. But, but I think before we wrap up, we have to ask the immortal question. Knocklist time. Is State of the Union, the next level, triple X squared, whatever you want to blooming call it, making the knock list? Cam, did the original make the knock list? It did not. Mm. Can Ice Cube slide his way into the knock list? Cam, as we have guests, just quickly give us an explanation of what the knock list is. Yes, the knock list is the tortured acronym for need to see official classics of the Spy Hearts podcast, where every episode after we've talked about a movie... We debate whether it belongs in the pantheon of all-time great spy films. Some movies have made it on. Goldfinger, North by Northwest, Three Days of the Condor, Where Eagles Dare. A lot of, um, you know, different types of spy films on there. Triple uh, X did not make it on. But, uh, well, we'll see if Triple X 2 does. It is the next level, after all. That's true. It is. Uh, well, the guests always go first. There's four votes this week. Let's go with Bryce first. Yes or no, is Triple X2 making the knock list? I would say no. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see where you'd be coming from on that one. Okay, all right. So that's, a, that's one no. Jim, do you have anything different for us? I would say number two is a no. <laughs> because it's number two. Yeah, because it's number it's a, two. It's a huge number two number two it's squared it's that big to the power of two mm. well okay we're only halfway there though so right now it could still be a mixed vote cam is it making the knock list not even close this is the most anticlimactic segment ever <laughs> not even close uh you know i had fun with the original triple x and i had a lot less fun with this one so no <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is my favorite point when we have guests. Is usually my vote is pointless by this time because people have outvoted me. So, uh, sod it. Let's go for a yes. Who cares? <laughs> Honestly, who cares anymore? No, I'm Bro, kidding. Gosh, this, this film is one of the worst. I, maybe not one of the worst I've seen on this podcast. There's been much worse. But, like, I got nothing from it. And that's more of a disappointment. I, I got nothing out of my hour and 50 odd minutes watching it times two. So times two. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big fat whopping. It won't quite flush down the toilet. Number two. It's a no. Log the pipes. There you have it. There you have it. Four no's. I think we can all quite easily say it's definitely not making the knock list. And as such, the file on the film is complete and filed as classified. Jim, Bryce. The film Rage. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us.
Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, we will put links in the show notes for your show. I, I, I recommend you guys all the time to people anyway. And to be fair, you cover much more important films than we do on this podcast sometimes. Um, and I, I suppose I'll throw it to you. What, what have you got coming up on the show? Uh, so we just got into the can. It's actually up now. We've got our top 10 favorite directors of all times because we didn't have a lot of content. And this coming week, we'll be talking about the movie Scream. That is coming, the only movie coming to cinemas. So we'll be talking about that next week. But uh, otherwise, we still ha- we don't even know what's coming out releasing and streaming this week. But so far, every single streaming movie has been pretty terrible. So look forward to some extra, extra crispy rage. Well, I, I'm glad we used your rage skills appropriately on this film. Um, but where can people find more from you? Like Instagram, social media, where, where can people find you? Yeah, so we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at FilmRageYYC. You can find us on Audia, A-U-D-I-A dot I-O, which is a clips kind of, it's basically the YouTube of podcasting. And um, so you've every single one of our reviews, you can find us there. You can find our website at FilmRageYYC.com. And you can search on any official search engine, Film Rage podcast, and you'll find us everywhere. And hopefully the Triple X review will pop up right next to it every time. So then the people will That's always right. associate you with Triple X too. It goes Nick Cage when you search Film Rage. But if you add the podcast, we still make it under Nick Cage. But we're going to see right above us is going to be Triple X. I, I, being under Nick Cage is not too bad. No. Well, maybe it is. I don't mind being under Nick Cage. Well, maybe it is. Uh, gents, again, I want to thank you both for taking the time to sit down and talk to us about Triple X2. Ray John. Ray John. So thank you again, chaps. We were so glad you could join us and bring the rage. But Cam, will the rage continue into next week? I don't know, but we're going to be tackling an actor known for his volatile rage on screen. That's Harrison Ford. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Harrison Ford. And, and what's the film? We're going to talk about the 1979 romantic spy thriller, Hanover Street. What film? Hanover Street. Directed by Peter Hyams. I've never seen it, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Well, firstly, in terms of Harrison Ford's rage, I think that's mostly against the fans. So that's a a different thing altogether. Well, as it is Valentine's Day next week, I thought having a romantic story would be interesting. And we are going to be talking about Harrison Ford down the line with some of the, uh, the Jack Ryan films and also the Indiana Jones films. But this is the only other one that's like a standalone non-franchise film that he's in. So this is a very unique opportunity to talk about Harrison Ford at the beginning of his career in a romantic spy film. It should be a strange one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. This could be, I think, a interesting diamond in the rough, question mark. And Cam, what have we got coming up on the Patreon? Well, we've got some really cool episodes that have dropped just recently. We've done Wayne's World. We've done War of the Worlds. And coming up, we're going to have our... Born Identity Commentary. That is going to be dropping this week. So keep your ears out for that. It's going to be awesome. As always, I want to thank everyone that's helped out and joined the Patreon. You are really helping Spy Hearts and it all goes back into making the show even better. So thank you. And if you want to hear more about the Patreon, what we've had out already and obviously what Cam mentioned that we've got coming up, you can find that at patreon.com slash spyhards or click the link in the show notes below. 
But as you heard before, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Hanover Street starring Harrison Ford and join us next week. Triple X2 State of the Union did not make the knock list, but if you want to see the films that did, you can find them on letterbox.com slash spyhards. And finally, do not forget to follow us discreetly, of course, on social media at spyhards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But until next week, listeners, wars come and go, but my soldiers stay eternal. <laughs>